Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. Apologies for not doing a show yesterday evening. Wanted to uh, get a couple things wrapped up, but we are back now to go over a few hits, a few misses. At least that's the way we see it in free agency. Jets added one or two bodies, missed out on another. Also wanted to talk tonight about uh, more more disrespect for Robbie Anderson. I feel like that comes up an awful lot on this show. I I don't understand the... Uh, I mean, I, I do understand some of the concerns with Robbie Anderson. But this guy, the way he gets overlooked on a, on a national level and the way he is not not very well liked locally by Jets fans, by many Jets fans, is uh is pretty surprising to me. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about Darren Lee. Because as we've said, as many people have said, but the addition of CJ Mosley, conventional wisdom is that Darren Lee is a a goner. I know Manish Maid of the New York Daily News reported that that uh Darren Lee was not part of the team's long-term plans. Jordan Jenkins, however, is, but uh, still still a weird situation with Darren Lee, as far as I'm concerned. And we're going to go over the uh, the 53-man roster. Not not We're not going to cover every single guy. But I should say we're going to go over the, the, the key aspects of the depth chart. We'll, we'll go over the depth chart, but we'll go, we'll go through the obvious stuff quick, quickly. And the uh, the less obvious stuff, the new guys, the newcomers, and kind of look at where the where the roster sits uh, with the draft on the horizon. We're about what are we a month away from the draft, if that? Yeah, about a, about a little over a month, a little over a month till draft day. So, before we get going on that, we're going to thank our sponsor. So, this episode of Jet Nation Radio is sponsored by FanDuel Sportsbook. If you are in New Jersey, you can get a $500 risk-free bet when you sign up. This applies to all of their markets, not just football, obviously, because you wouldn't be doing much betting there, would you, right now? Not just football, whether it's NBA, NHL, MLB, anything on there on, on FanDuel Sportsbook, you will get that $500 risk-free bet. So log in and sign up, FanDuel Sportsbook. Okay, so... As I said, I'm going to cover the the recent additions from since the last show, and there was some uh, some some good ones. One one in particular we'll start off with. The Jets need a backup quarterback right now. We well needed, I should say, because let's face it, Josh McCown. You're not in a position where you can rely on him to come back because he's you know he's well into his 30s, mid late 30s. And he's been non-committal, so the team can't sit around and wait for a guy in Josh McCown's position to give them an answer. Because if they wait and sit on their hands and he says, I'm not coming back, well, now now what are you going to do? You don't want to go into the season with only Davis Webb as, as your number two behind Sam Darnold. So the Jets go out and they sign Trevor Simeon, former Denver Bronco, former Minnesota Viking. And I said... After the signing, I tweeted this out, and a few people seemed to think it was funny, and it's, 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 it is kind of funny when you when you think about how how what a difference a couple of years makes. Um, I don't think 
anyone would argue, I, I was kind of in this camp a few years ago, and I know there were a lot of other Jets fans who were, because the quarterback situation was so dire with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Geno Smith, that there were people who wanted Trevor Simeon as a starter. Like, hey, if this guy's available, go get him. Just, just trade for this guy. Get anybody. You knew Geno was never going to be any good. You knew Fitz was, you know, a mediocre, middle-of-the-road, streaky quarterback who was, you know, wasn't realistically going to get you anywhere. So this is a guy a lot of people wanted to see as a starter. And now he comes in as a, you know, to compete for the number two job. And he'll probably win the number two job. Davis Webb, as I said, you know, maybe he wins the three. Maybe they bring a body in as an undrafted guy who challenges him. Who knows? We'll see about that. But right now, you just got a guy. You now have, backing up Sam Darnold, a 27-year-old quarterback who's got some experience as a starter. He's got 24 starts. Didn't didn't play last year in Minnesota. Backed up Kirk Cousins. But 2016-2017 in Denver, he did a solid job. Perfectly, perfectly respectable numbers for a backup quarterback. 2016, 18 touchdown passes, 10 interceptions. And then uh, 2017, saw a drop-off in production, 12 touchdowns, 14 picks. But again, we're talking about backup quarterback here. We're not, uh, no one's handing the reins over to Trevor Simeon. But in terms of backup quarterbacks, I say this all the time. I don't understand the obsession that people have with, you know, when you mention a guy as a backup who isn't a top-tier guy, people flip out. Oh, my God, that guy sucks. How could you want him as a backup? It's like, well, because most backups suck. Um, And this particular backup may not suck as much as the other backups out there. That's kind of the market for the most part. So Trevor Simeon, he's done some good things as a starter, young quarterback, Taking in, into account Adam Gase's, uh, you know, Adam Gase's reputation, and by that I don't mean what he did in Miami. Although, as we've said, he, he wasn't all that bad when he had Ryan Tannehill, and the expectation in terms of Sam Darnold that he will be a much better player than Ryan Tannehill. But I'm, when I say Adam Gase's reputation, I'm talking more league-wide insiders. You know, we've talked about the Peyton Manning connection and Peyton Manning's. Opinions, his take on Adam Gase, you know, Adam Gase being a, a bright young guy who was able to challenge him as a quarterback, which you would imagine when you've done the things Peyton Manning's done and you understand the game at the level he does, there probably aren't many people who can challenge him. His claim was that Adam Gase was able to do that. So we'll see. We'll see what it means for Trevor Simeon, for Davis Webb. Obviously, most important thing is Sam Darnold, but the Jets now have a backup quarterback who, again, has some NFL experience, and it's a one-year deal. So that's not a, you know, they're not tied into him. It doesn't t- it doesn't stop them from, from carrying a guy. Again, if they had a camp body who beats out Davis Webb, or if they, I mean, drafting one is incredibly unlikely unless we see a, a ton of picks added via trade, which is something we will touch on a little bit later on. But that wasn't the only addition for the Jets. We also had free agent lineman, also a former Viking, 
in Tom Compton. And now here's another guy who's got starting experience. And I don't understand. You know, again, there were people complaining about signing a guy as a backup. It really is. It really is crazy. You almost have to stay off Twitter sometimes when the Jets add a player who is not a pro bowler or that, God forbid, people haven't heard of. I saw people knocking. Oh, my God, Tom Compton. And if you follow me on Twitter, which give me a follow at AceFan23, A-C-E-Fan23. If you if you interact with me on Twitter, if you follow me on Twitter, I really do go out of my way to not be over the top. Um, you know, Mister Know It All, you're an idiot if you don't agree with me. Blah 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 blah. That's that's every that seems to be everyone's default response on Twitter. If you if you say something I disagree with, I have to tell you how stupid you are. Um, it's not really the approach I take. But I saw people flipping out. We're not flipping out, but just the, people seem disappointed about Tom Compton. And I just said, "Listen, be be honest with yourself. How many how many times in your life have you watched one of the one of his teams play and paid attention to him specifically on a given play? Like you're getting upset or you're you're knocking the team for signing a guy who you have literally never seen play football before. And if you did, it was in passing." You've never taken the time to sit down and watch, you know, to look and see what the guy can do. He's a depth guy. He's got 30 career starts. He started a career-high 14 games last year for Minnesota. Was he great? No. I went back and watched them all 22. I saw about what I expected to see. A guy who did some okay things. A guy who did some not-so-okay things. Thing that really jumped out at me, though, I thought I thought he moved well for a big guy. I thought for for a guy of his size, getting outside on screens and swings and things like that, he pretty moves pretty well. Now the concern I had is that there were I was able to I found a few plays where he moved well, got outside as a blocker and missed his damn target. But this is a guy. Who again? You know, when you look, he's, he's he has played some tackle. He's played guard. So wh- where the Jets plan on using him for depth, we don't know. He's played right tackle for the Redskins. Played left guard for Chicago. Left guard for Minnesota. So he's got some versatility on the line. He might be a backup in a few different spots. He might not make the roster. That's the other thing. I've talked about this before. Why do people seem to forget that teams carry 90 this time of year? Carry 90 guys. Every guy in the every team in the NFL has 37 guys on their roster right now that will not make the 53-man roster. So treating every guy who's added as if he's being counted on to be a savior or a starter is kind of ridiculous. It's like, you know, relax a little bit. We're talking about a backup guard, possibly backup tackle, who in all likelihood you've never seen play before, who, again, has some traits that you like and some traits that aren't aren't so great. I didn't think he did a great job of anchoring against the bull rush. But in fairness, one of the games I watched was against the Rams, 
which meant, guess what? Aaron Donald was doing to him what he does to most people and and running him over at times. Not really going to hold that against him. Didn't have time to watch a ton of games. I watched a couple games, just made some notes on what I liked, what I didn't, what really jumped out. Anchoring, anchoring against the bull rush was the thing that jumped out that I'm, I'm hoping to watch more and see some uh, some better execution there. But the positive was his, his ability to get outside and lead block. And as I said, he missed some. You know, I'm not saying the guy was incompetent and couldn't block anybody when he got outside. But he had he had a couple a couple whiffs, which uh, which obviously doesn't bode well. But again, we're talking about a backup O lineman. And another another addition, another backup, special teams type, Daniel Brown, tight end from the Chicago Bears. Now Brown's a guy who doesn't see a lot on offense. Really, even you know, to be completely honest, it's it's tough to discuss a guy who over his career averages less than one target or less than less than one reception per game over his career. He's played in forty two games, he got thirty five catches. Small school guy out of James Madison where he played wide receiver. Big bodied guy, six five, two forty seven. Trying to envision that guy playing wide receiver at any level. That's you know, it's entirely possible he added some weight to move to tight end. But the bottom line, he's a special teams guy who, you know, who knows? Maybe he sees – because, look, the thing with the Bears, they have some pretty good tight ends over there. So was it a depth chart issue? I would say probably not. He was he was a member of the Ravens for a couple years. Back and forth with the Ravens, actually. Played with them 2015, 2016. Then he went to, then he went to Chicago. Actually, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm looking at his numbers on PFR. And the way they split it, I think he just went from Baltimore to Chicago. They had Chicago-Baltimore flipped. But anyway, between those teams, this isn't a guy to get super excited or super upset about. He played, he literally, I believe he played 23 snaps on offense last year. People, you know, some people, for, for some odd reason, with Daniel Brown, people were probably probably going the other direction. You know, oh, the, the big body, 6'5", red zone target. Listen, he could be all those things, but, you know, if we're going to go off history, he's not a guy who sees the field a lot on offense. But that doesn't mean he won't. You know, all you can say at this point is that he's he's a, a depth guy, special teams guy, who will compete probably with Eric Tomlinson, who was also brought back. That's a move I don't love. I don't... It Here's the thing with Eric Tomlinson, is that a couple of years ago... He did a nice job. Solid player. Doesn't see a lot of targets. Primarily a blocking tight end. We know this. His problem is in 2018, his blocking was terrible. You can't be a blocking... You can't You can't be a guy who gets paid to do one thing, and you can't do that one thing. And last year, Eric Tomlinson struggled. But having said what I just said about the 90-man roster, this could be a thing where the Jets look at it and say, Listen... This guy did a nice job two years ago. We'll, we'll bring him back to compete. And if he can repeat that performance, play how he did a couple years, two and even three years ago, both those those two seasons, he was solid as a blocker. If they're going to say, look, maybe last year was an aberration, let's bring him back. If he's back at the level he was before, then he's worth having. 
If not, he will be among the 37 guys who don't make the roster. And that'll be that. Nothing to get, you know, worked up or upset about. And the same goes for Brent Quale, who was also brought back. Quale's a guy who a lot of people don't like. But the same thing goes, you know, the same thing. I would say the same thing about him that I say about Simeon. Look at depth around the league. Offensive lines are very bad. I would argue that there are some offensive lines. I mean, listen, Brent Qualley's not gonna Brent Qualley's not going to any Pro Bowls. But as a depth guy, you could do a lot worse. And I've I've seen a lot of people being critical of that signing. I have no issue with it. I would would I love for someone to to come in either via the draft or undrafted free agency and beat him out? Absolutely. Bring in a better player. Take his job. That's fine. But the thing is, you could do a lot worse. He can probably play a little guard for you if you needed him to. We've seen him play right tackle. He's a better run blocker than a pass blocker. That's no big secret. So he can be a liability at times against against better pass rushers. But listen, when, when you're facing better pass rushers, a lot of offensive linemen become liabilities. That's just the way it is. So we've covered Trevor Simeon. We've covered Eric Tomlinson. We've covered Brent Qualley. We've covered Tom Compton and Daniel Brown. So I believe those are the additions since the last show. But now we're going to talk about, and this we'll just take a couple seconds on this. Um, the Jets lost out on Justin Houston. The edge rusher that we were all hoping they would add, it didn't pan out. He is a member of the Indianapolis Colts. Two years, $24 million. Jets edge rusher situation is still bleak. It might come down to somebody like Shane Ray at this point, who, given the, the, the amount of time he has missed as a pro, that's probably a good reason as to why he's not signed right now. But when you're as thin at the position as the Jets are, maybe you go out and you give him a deal. Bring Shane Ray in on a one-year deal. And if they don't, that's not the end of the world either. It's, you know, it's you're taking a flyer, basically. Would I hate it? No. But given the current situation, it would make a lot of sense. So, but Houston, there were reportedly a couple teams in on it. Houston's ha- camp throughout this whole process kept things pretty quiet. You didn't hear his name a whole lot. But in the end, two years in Indy, and, and listen... All, if you look at the situation for what it is, you can't blame Justin Houston one bit. The Colts had a ton of money. You know, they currently now are the, the number one team in terms of cap space. They came into the offseason number two behind the Jets, and they haven't done a ton of spending the way the Jets have. Jets are at $37 million, I believe. But Justin Houston is a guy who now goes to a team with a proven franchise quarterback that needs help on defense to, to put them to put them over the edge. And I'll tell you what, if, if I'm an edge rusher and I have a choice between two teams where the money is similar, and even even if we said even if we said pretend for a second that Luck and, and Sam Darnold are a little bit closer than they are. Say they were almost on par, which I'm not saying they are. The point I'm making here is if I'm an edge rusher and I have a chance to play in good weather, good weather 
or in a dome rather, on a fast track, at least half my games, I'm, I'm going to be drawn to that. I'm going to be drawn to the fact that I have a chance to win some games and I have a chance to maybe see my, my nine sacks, nine and a half sacks from each of the last two years. I have a chance to see that jump up to maybe 12 or 13 playing on that, fa- playing on that fast turf. You know, we saw what it did for years for, uh, for Dwight Freeney, Mathis and Freeney, the way they terrorized teams for years off the edges. So Justin Houston to the Colts, it makes sense for him. It makes sense for the Colts. The Jets lose out, but I, I get the feeling Justin Houston is a guy, and this was one thing we did hear about Justin Houston in the days leading up to his signing, is that he was a guy who was happy with his with his money situation, and his priority was going to be going to a team with a chance to win now. So sometimes in free agency, there are, you know, you, you can do so much and what you can offer, but there are some things you can't offer. And what the Jets could offer Justin Houston was good money. I'm assuming they were in the ballpark. A good young quarterback. And a team that is clearly on the rise. Whereas the Colts can say, we're a lot closer to a championship than the Jets are. Better young quarterback. And you might see your 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 own individual production bump up because of the fact you're going to be playing indoors on turf. So it's a shame Jets miss out. It, again, it could mean Shane Ray. We'll see how that pans out. Could see Copeland come back. Brandon Copeland, who had a nice year for the Jets last year. I mean, he's the type of guy you'd like to see as a depth situational rusher. But the draft, the draft is going to dictate, you know, is is Bosa there? Is it, you know, Bosa or Allen will be there if Kyler Murray goes at one, as many expect. But I, I still think I take, I would still take Quinn and Williams in that spot. But we'll see. There will be opportunities to upgrade. I think what we might see is a trade back and addressing edge rusher. Somewhere in the middle of first round. But we we shall see. Time will tell. But as it stands, Justin Houston goes to Indianapolis. A potential Jet who is not a Jet. But one guy who is a Jet. Who, for some reason, I, I, I don't understand the the... The level of disrespect that we see for Jets receiver Robbie Anderson. And I'm not even talking about his overall game. You can you can kind of make it you know a case for the fact that he hasn't proven on a consistent basis that he can be a receiver that can operate at all levels on the field. He's done it, but he hasn't done it enough to show that it can be a consistent thing. I believe it can. I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think he's going to be, I think he's in for a career year. I think we're looking at minimum 1,200 yards for him this season. We'll see how it pans out. But that would be, that would be my best guess. You know, is it possible the Jets just spread it out a ton? Does Chris Herndon see an uptick in targets? Does Crowder see a ton of targets taking away from Robbie? 
I would I would guess not because of the way Adam Gase raved about him and his presser. I think he sees what Robbie is capable of, and I think he'll be a focal part of the offense. But as, again, my my point here, even if you don't like the fact that Robbie can't operate on all three levels, even if you're worried about the fact that he's had some off-field stuff, I get it. But how in the world does Terrell Davis, former Broncos running back, how does he come on the air with the NFL Network, as he did the other day, and say that Le'Veon Bell should not have signed with the Jets because they don't have a young quarterback and they don't have a deep threat to loosen things up? I mean, this just goes to show the problem with some of these networks hiring name guys like Terrell Davis who was an incredible football player and knows infinitely more about the game of football than your average Joe Blow football fan. But some of these guys get these gigs because they're a name. They know that. They don't have to put any work in. They don't have to do any research. They can just sit down and babble, throw out a bunch of commonly used terms, a bunch of hyperbole, just make it up as they go along because it doesn't matter if they're right or wrong. Almost like politicians, honestly. But how do you say that the New York Jets with Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson, I think the, the, the whoever was, was on the air with him corrected him on the quarterback thing, mentioning Darnold. And, oh, yeah, I know, I know, but, you know, they don't have a deep threat. Robbie Anderson is third in the NFL in deep touchdowns over the past couple seasons. And the only reason he's not first is because the quarterback play has been so bad. With better QB play, there's no quarterback, there's no receiver in the NFL with more deep touchdowns than Robbie Anderson. And you have a, a paid former player on the NFL network. We're not talking about, you know... We're not talking about me. You're not talking about some some idiot blogger sitting around just talking about football because he loves talking about football and missing on a, a couple facts. We're talking about a well-paid former player on the NFL Network. Does nobody prep him? Do they not talk to them before the segment? Do they not? I mean, how do they not know that he doesn't know? Is there not a conversation at some point? Hey, here's what we're going to go over in the next segment. Share some thoughts. We're going to talk about Le'Veon Bell. Somebody just leave Terrell Davis to himself to sit there and go, I don't think the Jets have a quarterback, and I can't think of who their receiver is, so I guess they just don't have one. It couldn't be that I don't know. And then he goes on the air, and that's, and that's what you get. And normally, I, and, I don't, I, and I tell people all the time, why the hell do you care what the media says? Don't worry about it. Why are you worried? They, they're, just, they're just, you know, sitting around sharing their thoughts. They're going to be right about some stuff. They're going to be wrong about others. Worry about what happens on the field. Don't worry about the media. So I'm, I'm being a bit of a hypocrite here, but I, I think it's just, the, the, like, you can be wrong about things. That's fine. Everybody's wrong. We're all wrong about stuff. But to be that wrong, to be that far off and, and regarded as an expert, on the NFL Network with a, a platform to talk about football, and you and 
you don't know who plays for which team and what they do. But I bet you know how much you get paid. I bet those checks just keep getting hammered into the bank account. And uh, you can sit around and just, I, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand the the how a guy like that, how, like Robbie Anderson, goes unnoticed. And the, the level of disrespect for, for him. Um, I hope he hears about it. I hope he, I, I know I, I tweeted something about it and someone tagged Robbie Anderson. And that's another thing with Twitter, you know, to each his own, but, um, minus the very, very, very rare occasion. I just, I, I'm not someone that tags players in tweets. Um, I just, I don't know if something, something weird about that, um, I understand I'm um as I you know I say all the time I'm just a, a dopey blogger but uh even even in that role I like the idea of objectivity and and being able to uh to speak honestly and not not try to include players in everything I say um, cuz I think if you get a response then there's a rapport and then there's some questioning about you know how how honest can you be or how honest are you being when you're evaluating a player who you're uh you know making efforts to to interact with and engage with. Um, again, that's, uh, again, doesn't matter. Just a thought popped into my head as I was saying that. Cause my, my point was, I hope Robbie Anderson heard what Terrell Davis said. And as I was saying that, I realized somebody who saw my tweet tagged Robbie Anderson in it and said, I hope you see this, Robbie. Um, and I hope he does. I hope it lights a fire under him. And, uh, I hope he has a fantastic season. I really do because, you know, the potential's there. And he's, you know, hopefully in the right offense now with the right mindset, with the right offensive coach. And going to the other side of the ball, a guy who is still a Jet for the moment, but uh, some rumors circulating. And that's that's Jets linebacker Darren Lee, who everyone pretty much universally felt that Darren Lee was going to be on his way out because... Because the Jets added T.J. Mosley. And I understand... <clears throat> excuse me. I understand that. Mosley's a hell of a player. Darren Lee has struggled, even with his improvement this past season. But my my thing on Darren Lee is, when you given his price, and I, I did a quick post about this the other day, a quick article... On JetNation.com, which, by the way, if you are not in the forums on JetNation.com, get in the forums on JetNation.com. Thousands and thousands of Jets fans, your fellow Jets fans, who you can get in, you can agree, you can disagree, you can argue, you can shout, you can yell. Pretty, pretty, pretty liberal policies at JetNation.com. Don't talk about politics. Don't be racist. That's pretty much it. Lay off the personal attacks. I mean, you can, personal attacks, a little bit, a little bit of leeway, but there is a line. And when you cross it, that's an issue. But if you can be, you can, you can disagree, you can be civil, you can be a little bit uncivil, but, uh, you know, looking at what's out there, what other teams offer, you're you're not going to find a better message board than the one on jetnation.com. So back to Darren Lee. All this talk about cutting Darren Lee and I'm just, I hear it and I'm just like, Why? Unless unless he's that big of a problem, 
in the building at Florham Park. And I mentioned this last week. And, and the more I think about it, the less sense it makes. When you look at the the linebackers currently on the roster, which, by the way, I didn't mention Neville Hewitt. I'm, I'm trying to... I'm, I'm, Racking my brain now. I can't remember if he signed since the last show or before the last show. Either way, Neville Hewitt's back. Guy who did a nice job last year. Solid in coverage. Former college safety out of Marshall. Thundering herd. So maybe he becomes the sub-package coverage guy if you let Darren Lee go. That's why I was mentioning Neville Hewitt. But I still look at Darren Lee as a young guy who you can use in a couple different spots, who has good physical attributes, who is good at the... His best trait is probably the the, the two worst traits from Mosley and Avery Williamson in coverage underneath. If you want to try to move him outside and get him freed up off the edge as a blitzer, he's got enough speed. I mean, a 4.47 isn't fast enough. 447 should be fast enough. And I'm not talking about a 20-sack guy. I'm I'm talking about a guy who can just be used situationally. You know, Greg Williams is supposed to be this this great defensive mind. Well, if that's the case, then say, look, hey, Greg, we got a guy who runs a 447. He can cover a little bit. And uh, we want you to find a role for him in your defense. So, as a former first-round pick who's due less than $2 million, who, by the way, if you keep... Listen, we saw this last free agency. We see every free agency period. Sometimes, around when free agency kicks off, teams get a little bit crazy. And they spend a lot more money than you might expect. So, listen, if you use Darren Lee situationally, and he has himself a nice year, let's say he's solid in coverage, he gets you six or seven sacks... You let his contract expire. Somebody maybe makes him an offer that gets you a third or fourth round pick, a supplemental pick. Former first round pick who starts a bunch of games and gets a gets a big contract somewhere else. You got a shot. Now, do you jump on it if somebody offers you a pick this season? That was the rumor the other day. I think I saw that the... Denver Broncos were supposedly interested in Darren Lee, which could be. But look, if you're the Jets and somebody calls and says, hey, we'll give you a six for Darren Lee, which could be the offer right now. Do you do you take a six or a five? Or do you say, you know what? Um, we're going to hang on to this guy, give him a chance to succeed, hope somebody else likes him, and see if we can get a better pick than that. Or, maybe Greg Williams gets a lot out of Darren Lee. Maybe Darren Lee makes it, takes another leap, and he becomes a guy you consider keeping. Highly unlikely. Let's be realistic. Highly unlikely. Even I know that. I'm just. I'm not. I'm not a big. I'm not big on ruling everything out. With with the absolutes, there are a lot of people who seem to know every answer to every question, and how every single thing is going to turn out, and how things should be done. I'm I'm I like to entertain the possibility that anything can happen, as unlikely as it may be. And yes, I would file that under unlikely for Darren Lee. 
But now, having covered all that stuff, we're going to go on to the 53-man roster. Well, it's it, it, it's a lot more than 53 at the moment, of course. We're going we're, we're gonna to cover the depth chart. We're going to go up and down, up and down the roster, and and because this is we're getting ready for draft mode now next week and from next week on it's going to be all draft coverage. I've I've laid off it as best I can because as I say every year it just gets it does get nauseating. The level of draft talk gets absolutely out of control and it's it's all you hear for for months and it it does get to the point when the draft does roll around that uh, and I see it every year. I do it, um, and I see it on Twitter. People are like, enough with the draft. Just let it get here. I'm tired of hearing it. I can't look at another stupid mock. Um, and those are kind of, it's the point we get to sometimes. And that's that's something I've, I've been trying to avoid. So, taking a look at the roster. Top to bottom. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to cover all 90 guys. There are guys on this roster who, who will not be around, and we know that when the season starts. But quarterback, of course. We mentioned Trevor Simeon earlier. He's a guy who brings stability to the, the backup role behind Sam Darnold. Davis Webb behind him. He'll probably get a chance to compete. And then, of course, with Darnold in place, it's just it, it's still a nice feeling. That hasn't gone away. I will say that. I say you get tired of this, you get tired of that during the, the free agency, the draft hype and all that. Um, having said, the night that Darnold was drafted, that I was looking really looking forward to not giving a damn about which quarterbacks were in this draft from a Jets perspective, and, and I'm still enjoying that. It's, it is... Quite nice to to just sit back and know that you have a guy who you can you can just look at and say, "All right, let's uh, let's keep building around this kid and see what happens." So, Donald Simeon Webb at quarterback, obviously a position you can go without addressing in the draft. Running back, another position I could see the Jets not addressing in the draft. But there are some good ones in this draft. And if one of them falls far enough, the Jets could make a move. But you realistically right now, you've got Le'Veon Bell, Eli McGuire, and Trenton Cannon with Isaiah Crowell having been let go. Listen, Le'Veon Bell's a workhorse. So those other guys probably probably won't see a ton of carries. They'll get some. They'll get some reps. But I think Le'Veon Bell's presence is what makes makes it less likely the Jets will, will go out and acquire another running back. Not saying they definitely won't. Again, enough talent in this class that maybe they do make a move. But we'll see about that. Wide receiver. We talked about Robbie Anderson. You had Quincy Anunwa to that. To that. And then Jamison Crowder to that. That's a pretty darn good top three. It really is. Uh, again, he, Terrell Davis may not know it, but that really is a pretty good top three. Outside of that, 
Deontay Burnett, still an interesting name. Undrafted guy out of USC last season, who, as was the case with many players under Todd Bowles, didn't get much of a chance to show what he could do. I think, I suspect he will this season. A lot of names on the roster, guys have been added since the last season. Futures contracts, those types of guys. One guy that jumps out at me that I wanted to mention, D'Angelo Yancey, wide receiver out of Purdue. He was a Green Bay Packers draft pick. Didn't hang around long with them. He's now on the Jets' 90-man roster and a player who I think is uh, is worth keeping an eye on. You throw tight end into the mix, and you're, you're talking Chris Herndon, possibly Jordan Leggett. Does he make the roster? I certainly hope so. I've mentioned him many times as a guy that I would like to see more out of this season. We already talked about Daniel Brown and Eric Tomlinson. But I would say tight end, like running back, another very deep class. And I wouldn't rule out the Jets taking one if if somebody falls. Because, look, Herndon had a great year, but, you know, relatively speaking. And and I'm, I'm hopeful that Jordan Leggett will become a player. But if you have a chance to get a guy who you like more than Jordan Leggett, if a talented player falls and you want to pair Chris Herndon with another tight end, Get you know, get yourself a tight end who can block, who can line up at H back, maybe fullback. Now you're talking. It gives your offense more diversity. Another target for Darnold. I, I would have no issue with that. I think I've talked about that on the air. Some people have been critical of anyone who suggested a tight end might be a pick in the draft. I would have no problem with that at all. But ju- just looking at that alone, and this is this is something I've I've gone back and forth with people on Twitter. Um, people who you know who tell me how how this team has no talent, and I think that uh, I don't want to go too far down this road, but I think this team's going to surprise some people this year. I think they're they're going to be. Able, I I think this team is going to win twice as many games as a lot of people think they are. I'm not going to get. We'll get more into predictions, obviously, as the season gets closer. But I'll just say that right now. People who say this is a, a, a four-win team, a five-win team, I think they're going to double some of those people up. And and that's that for now. On the offensive line, obviously there are some needs there. But starting off at left tackle with Calvin Beecham, I've made my thoughts on him pretty clear. He's a guy who you can you know you can get by with. And I said last year, you can get by with him for one or two more seasons. It worked out last year. He was, a, you know, uh, I want to say he was a sort of 18th ranked, 17th ranked guy in the league in terms of pass blocking. But w- when they do move on, when they do get him, when the, when the Jets do get a new left tackle to replace Kelvin Beecham, they need a guy who can do a little bit of everything. Kelvin Beecham is is almost exclusively a pass blocker. He had some moments last year where he did, where he looked good in the run game, but those moments are few and far between. So he, he's not he's not he's not a bad player. He's just a guy, and this is where people got upset with me last year or this this season. Oh, you said the offensive line is better than we say, but but then you said they need to get better. Well, yeah, that that can be true. You can have good players. 
and hope to hope to upgrade to great players or to very good players. And that's what Kelvin Beecham is. He's a good player. But an upgrade has to be made. And I, I really think that we'll see that, you know, unless there's a trade down and they get a tackle early in this, you know, middle late in this draft, I think that next year left tackle will be the, the number one target in round one. Then at left guard, Colicios Maley. I mean, look, it, the question is health. The question is not ability. You're talking all pro left guard. So if he's healthy, and he's a guy who hasn't missed a ton of time in his career, so it's not it's not beyond the realm of possibility that he's a guy who starts every game or you know 14, 15 games. Bottom line, tremendous upgrade, all pro lineman, fantastic job. Center, totally up in the air right now. Nobody knows who the Jets' center is going to be. The best-case scenario right now is they go out and they sign a guy like Wisniewski. I don't know if they think Compton can play a little bit of center. I don't know if that's the idea. But best-case scenario, you bring in a vet who can do it, and a rookie steals his job. That That's what you want. Right guard's going to be Brian Winters, of course. Right tackle, Brandon Shell. That's not, a, that's, you know, once you add a center to the, you know, let's say you get a guy like Wisniewski. He he has played well at the position before. As a member of the Jaguars a few years ago, he did a nice job, reportedly. Then the backup guys, you got Ben Braden, who's got a shot to make this roster. Two years ago, exclusively, exclusively a practice squad guy. Spent much of last year on the practice squad before getting elevated to the active roster. Jonathan Harrison's probably going to be your backup center. Brent Quale, we talked about. So when, once the Jets solidify that center position, and I'm, I'm still on the Josh Sitton train, by the way. I, I still want that guy to come in, and I want, him to, I want him to work at center or guard. I want him to push Brian Winters. I'll tell you what, if that if, if you can do that, if you can get yourself a, a solid center like a Wisniewski, who's not a great player, but an all right player, but you surround him with a, a an all pro left guard and Josh sitting at right guard, that, that's that's some that's some stellar work up the middle. Those are some guys that have a chance to to do a really nice job. So what I I mean, of course, we all expect, every one of us expects the Jets to address the offensive line in the draft. You know, quarterback, no. Running back, maybe. Wide receiver, perhaps. Tight end, unlikely. Offensive line, absolutely. Got got to address the O-line. You know, an interesting guy they added this offseason, Jordan Morgan. Fourth-round pick of the Bears a couple years ago out of Cootstown. Some high praise for him. Had some injuries, got let go. So maybe somebody else's trash is another team's treasure. As Jordan, I would love to see that guy, you know. Again, he came out mid-round pick a couple years ago. Maybe they view him as a guy who can push Brian Winters. It's like Brian Winters, again, I've said it before. It's consistency. He has days where he looks dominant, but then he has days where he looks where he leaves a lot to be desired. Bring somebody in who can push him. And play at a more consistent, at a high level, more consistently, and make this team better. And Jordan Morgan is a—he's a guy. I'm, I'm going to try to take some time this week actually to watch his preseason film. Not going to be a lot of him, a lot on him from college. 
out of Coots, out of Coots Town. But I'm going to see what I can find. But uh, he's a he's a practice squad guy or a, you know 90 man bottom of the roster guy right now, who's definitely worth keeping an eye on. Whether or not he sticks remains to be seen. And the same goes for uh, Daigot Joseph. I don't know if it's Daigot or Daiugat. Either way, offensive tackle who the Jets carried on the, the practice squad for most of last season. Let him go at one point. I think he was gone for a week or two. Brought him right back. So he's been there for a couple years now. Do they like him? Does the new regime like him? We'll see. Same goes for Eric Smith. Patriots cast off. Jets took him off the Patriots practice squad late in the season, and he's back. I mean, the practice squad, it's, you know, it's always good to know your roster up and down. And it, it, you've got practice squad guys who break through and make it. They're always great stories. But, you know, reality is that it's, it, it's not always a very likely situation. Do you want to see some of these guys break through and, you know, play at a, even just a contributor level for what they make? Absolutely. That's a steal anytime you can do that. But I think, I think every team probably has two, three guys who have a legitimate chance to do it. And I think with the Jets, you know, they're no different than anybody else. Maybe somebody finds a way to stick. Now on the D-line, we know about Leo. You know, this this is a position the Jets could add in the draft. And I would I would say that I hope they add in the draft. Because you bring back Steve McClendon. They re-signed him and Henry Anderson last week. Both good moves. And then you have Leo still in place. And that that that's a good trio. Those are three good players. Um, now, you add Quentin Williams to that mix. And you keep some legs fresh and rotate those guys out or have those four guys on the field at the same time when you're in a nickel or a dime or a 4-3. I'll tell you what, I, that that is not something I would have an issue with. I mean, the, the problem there, of course, is there's no true edge. There's no true 4-3 four, four, defensive end or, you know, four-man front defensive end. You, you know, Henry Anderson and, and Leo, you would have to imagine they would be the the guys on the outside with uh, Williams and McClendon on the inside. Um, I mean, this team needs an edge rusher badly, but but that, that, that would be a talented group. That's a group I would like a lot. And then, of course, you have Fuller Runs of Fadakasi, last year's, one of last year's picks, who only played a snap or two this season. Does he hang around again? These these guys these these guys that get taken from the fifth round on, you just you just don't know what to expect. A lot of these guys don't stick in the league from you know they'll they'll spend a year on a practice squad and then they'll be gone. Uh, I hope that's not the case with Fadakasi, but you can't really expect a whole lot at this point. Now linebacker, of course, C.J. Mosley is a is a nice upgrade. As I said. Uh, after watching a couple games on film, I, I do have some concerns. That's not to say he's not a good player. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't have multiple one hundred tackle seasons if you can't play. Obviously, um, the the running guys down behind the line didn't see as much of that as I would have liked. And 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 as and I did say, you know, last week when I discussed this, it could be a case where. There, it could be the way Baltimore is using him. 
Maybe not, maybe they're not asking him to fill that role in the middle as much. Maybe maybe they want him sitting back quite a bit. But uh, I'm sure Greg Williams, for a guy with that much talent, who's been to that many Pro Bowls, you have to imagine Greg Williams has a plan for him. <laughs> I mean, hell, they, for the money they paid him, they sure as hell better have a plan for him to make some more impact plays and uh, more tackles behind the line. But the group as a whole, Jordan Jenkins, Avery Williamson, C.J. Mosley, and then if you were to add a Joey Bosa to that group, if it's not Q. Williams in round one, that's uh, that's pretty phenomenal. Or has the, the potential to be. So we'll see. We'll see what draft day brings. You would have to imagine that even if it's not Bosa, there will be an edge guy taken at some point. At some point. Corner. Now, this is where things get a bit dicey. This is where there are some some very real concerns for this defense. Because outside of... I mean, really, there's, there's nobody you can look at and say, well, at least we can count on this guy. It's a lot of question marks. All question marks at corner. Tremaine Johnson, ton of money. Was a damn good player a couple years ago under Greg Williams with the Rams. As we all know, things didn't work out this past season with the Jets. Was it the injuries? Was it the scheme? Was it Todd Bowles, Casey Rogers? Or was Tremaine Johnson putting his feet up a little bit with his big paycheck? Now that he finally got his long-term deal after getting franchised twice in a row with the Rams? Or did he just lose a step? Eighth-year guy, 29 years old. Guys have played beyond that, you know, well into their 30s, have played corner and played well. But everyone's different. So we get to find out this year under Greg Williams. Now, if Greg Williams or Tremaine Johnson returns to form under Greg Williams, the Jets' secondary is in a much better place. But even beyond that, you've got Daryl Roberts, who might get a shot to win that number two job. Brian Poole, who's added as a free agent. Can't remember if we discussed him. I think they may have signed him as we were doing the show last week. Brian Poole, former Atlanta Falcon. A guy who's expected to take expected to take Buster Screen's role out of the slot. Thing that worries me about him a little bit, watching him on film and reading the scouting reports. He's fairly similar to Buster Screen. Aggressive guy, facing the fan type. Great in run support. Not 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 a great cover guy. So here's the hoping that Perry Nickerson finds a way to beat him out. And to me, to me perfect world scenario is that Derek Jones or Daryl Roberts takes that next step and they win that starting job opposite Tremaine Johnson. That being said, I, I would be surprised if the Jets don't address corner in the draft. And that brings us to safety, which, as we know, Jamal Adams, probably the best player on the team at this point. Former number six pick, sixth overall pick. And then, of course, his safety mate back there, Marcus May, who's got to stay healthy. Now, the surprising thing with Marcus May is that he uh, he missed some games. He missed a lot of games last year with an injury. Was it 10? He missed a lot of games. But he played 16 as a rookie. 
And people talk about this dude. If And again, this is why sometimes it's best to stay away from Twitter. If you went onto Twitter and uh, and watched the, the conversations about Marcus May, you would think the guy had been in the league seven years and never played more than four games in a season. They talk about the guy like he gets rolled out there in a wheelchair every week <laughs> or every every third week. Like you would think the guy doesn't play ever. Two seasons, one season with injuries, and they, they they talk about this guy like he's never stayed on the field. I don't I don't understand it. This it it's 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 psychotic, really. Guy has one year with injuries, and and everyone talks about him like he's never stayed healthy before. I don't get where people are coming from or what what they're looking to gain by trashing their own players by overstating. Um, you know, a negative factor about that player, whether it's something that's a long-term thing or a short-term thing. But anyway, backing those guys up, you're going to have Doug Middleton, Brandon Bryant still on the roster. And listen, a lot of these guys, you know, if this was the old regime, I'd be pretty confident that as long as Doug Middleton was healthy, he'd be on the roster. But new regime, uh, you know, not as much loyalty to these guys. They have to get they have to get an opportunity to watch them up close and decide for themselves. That's going to be up to Adam Gase, Greg Williams. Depending on, you know, which side of the ball these guys are going to they're going to evaluate. I mean, of course, ultimately the decision's up to up to Gase, but you get the feeling he's going to defer to Williams. Um and rightfully so. At this point, Rontez Miles still around, I'd be surprised if he sticks. Great guy, love him. I've said that before. Um, you have to love his passion. That there, you won't find a guy who's more fired up on game day than Rontez Miles. The concern, though, is becomes his limitations and coverage, and you know the teams. You know, it seems less and less. You see teams carrying guys like that, like a Rontez Miles. Maybe he sticks. Maybe he doesn't. Uh, and the Jets also brought back uh, Chandler Catanzaro just just to cover special teams real quick. Yes, Hennessy will be the snapper. Yes, Lackland Edwards will be the punter, becoming one of the better punters in the league. And Chandler Cotanzaro is back after a one-year hiatus. He said he left said I wanted to go play in the warm weather, damn it. New York's too cold. Forget New Jersey. It's freezing up there. I'm paraphrasing, of course. And one year later, he's back in the cold. So, may not be exactly where he wanted to be, but that is where he is. But that's uh, that's the gist of it. I, again, didn't want to cover every guy on the roster. Didn't want to cover every spot on the depth chart. Just wanted to look realistically at where the Jets roster sits right now and what that could mean for the draft. Quarterback, unlikely. And like I said, well, one thing I did want to touch on um, before we wrap things up is, of course, the rumor uh, somebody floated the fact that the Washington Redskins could be interested in the Jets' third pick. Now, if you're the Redskins and you want to come up to three from 15 if I'm the Jets, I'll tell you what, you better be ready to pay dearly. I'm going to want to swap picks. I'm going to want your second. I'm going to want your third. And I'm going to want I'm going to want your one next year. Or if you want to give me Brandon Scherf, which I doubt they do, I might consider that, but you better be ready to pay with a haul of picks and, you know, one or two, one or two late round picks. Uh, 
be it a sixth, a seventh, whatever. But if the, if the Jets strike some type of deal where they add three, four additional picks, and if one of them's a late rounder, you know, any of these positions, they can take a flyer on a guy. But again, you, you look at the roster, QB unlikely, running back. Only reason I would say that's any chance at all is because it's such a deep class. Wide receiver, I think you take one. Quincy's injury history, Robbie's off-field history, you can't go into the season with those two guys being your top two and not a, not addressing a need for a guy to be able to step in if and when something goes wrong with those two guys. And let's not forget Robbie can still be can still be signed away as a restricted free agent, so he's not even a lock to return. At tight end with Herndon and Leggett, I like that combo because I do want to see Leggett get reps, but drafting a tight end because, again, because of the depth in this class is a possibility. Offensive line is an absolute certainty. I like Michael Deiter out of Wisconsin. I think I mentioned that. I like him a lot, but I think he goes in round two. I don't think he'll be there unless they add picks. Along the D-line, give me Q Williams in round one, Quinn and Williams out of Alabama. Even though you have Leo, you have Anderson, you have McClendon, you have some young guys you want to look at, but you had, you had Quinn and Williams up front, and you're, you're getting a true difference maker on the D-line. Linebacker, absolutely a possibility, of course, because of the need for an edge guy. I mean, depth chart doesn't look bad. With the three starters they have in place, Jordan Jenkins, good player. Not great, but good. Avery Williamson, pretty damn good player. Mosley in the middle, multi-time pro bowler. Has some limitations, but still a damn good player. And then corner. I think that's got to be addressed in the draft. As I said, Tremaine Johnson is it. Bunch of unproven guys behind him. And even he's a question mark at this point. I don't see how you don't take a corner. I mean, unless unless in the building, unless you really love, unless you really love the guys you have that the fans, for the most part, haven't gotten to see. I, I would still think that's a risky proposition to go in with, with your current crop of corners as your only guys on the roster. And then safety, we mentioned. The Jets are not drafting a safety. Now, might might we see a hybrid type taken in the mid late rounds, a guy who can play, you know. A little bit of safety at either spot, box, cover, that's a possibility. But we're not going to see an early round guy taking at safety. So that's where the Jets roster stands right now, folks. And I certainly look forward to recapping it post-draft and post-free agency when the second and third waves of free agency have wrapped up. But as it stands right now, the Jets are sitting at a little over $30 million in cap space. Any big moves unlikely. Shane Ray, you have to believe, is a possibility. I mean, he did have eight sacks a couple years ago. But again, he has battled injuries quite often. So, I mean, you have to imagine the guy like him. That's why he's still on the market. Because pass rushers are a premium. And he is one that's been sitting there waiting for a deal. Uh, will the Jets give him one? We'll find out. But even if they, whether you know whether they do or don't, Shane Ray isn't changing anybody's draft plans at this point. May change the depth chart, but that's about it. But that's also about it for us this week on Jet Nation Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. And we look forward to joining you or for you for you join to you joining us next week where we will have 
almost exclusively draft coverage. Lots of draft talk next week, and any additional moves, news, notes, or rumors that pertain to our New York Jets. Have a great night, guys.